you're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. episode of the Rural Ministries podcast. My name is Garrett Fryer and I'll be hosting once again. And it is my honor and delight to sit down with Cody Cochran, a pastor that's got a little bit of energy, a guy out of Texas. Uh, Cody, welcome to the studio. Hi, glad to be here, man. Glad you're here. Uh, Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for people that might not know you. Give us a little bit of background of who you are. Oh, man. Cody Cochran from rural West Texas. I got an awesome wife named Jennifer and three kids, two boys and a girl, Will. He's 18. Jesse, my next son's 15. My daughter is Clara. She's eight. So just a rural guy who got saved and answered the call to ministry and went to Anson, Texas and not very desirable place and went to fill in for two weeks and so been there for almost 19 years. Let's talk a little bit about your ministry story. So you, you kind of hinted at a little bit. Uh, you're down in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, rural community. Let's define rural for those that are listening. Rural, um, very small. Uh, um, the the town where I'm at, 2000. And for me, growing up, that was a big, that was a big city. You know what I mean? I grew up in a couple of towns, 200, 300, even down below 100. Lived in those little towns, ranching communities, farming communities, just kind of salt of the earth, old school kind of people. I always like to define rural because numbers are, are left to the imagination. Sure. Some people be like, I'm from a small town of 20,000 people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Small town. You have a Walmart. That's not a small town. That's right. I, I imagine you don't have a Walmart. No, no, no. Uh-uh. Anyway. no. Uh, so small town, small community, what drew you to that? You know, actually, the Lord's the only thing that drew me to that town. Like I said, I grew up on a ranch, working small towns. That's all we ever knew. And then when I kind of finally surrendered to, to the Lord to enter into ministry, I didn't choose Anson. Anson is an ugly little town. They've joked that Anson is the dirtiest little town in West Texas. And so the, I just went there to fill in. A pastor had been there 46 years. He was going on vacation. He's 85 years old. So would you come fill in two weeks? I went to fill in two weeks, and he had a stroke in that two weeks. Stayed for about four or five more weeks. They were fixing to come back home. His wife fell and broke her hip, and so they had to stay with family. So my two weeks went into six weeks, 12 weeks, and then they just finally had to resign. And so, uh, But it was perfect because it's uh, I fit the culture there. I mean, I just think rural ministry, I think it's huge. You got to fit the culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I fit that culture, and we draw from a lot of different areas around there, farmers and ranchers that I'd known previously. Okay. So you've been there for eight, almost 19 years yeah. now, and now this isn't like your first, can I use the, this isn't your first rodeo on the road. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen, you know, you're on the multiplication network, major stage, 10 minutes from, I watched it, of course, <laughs> I just came in and lit the place up and dropped the mic and watched Yeah, right. And so like a lot of people see where you're at now, but you weren't always here. Sure. Like 18 years doesn't just happen overnight, and I imagine that there were some struggles and some stresses, and we dive into a little bit. Yeah, 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 for sure, because no, I'm telling you, it was rough in the first days. I knew nothing. I mean, like I said, um, I had a, a Bible, the blood of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all I had, and went in there, and it's something we have to talk about, because if we're going to go into these towns and revitalize these, these churches, there's still some old heads at those churches, some old deacon bodies and some old boards that have done it the same way for years and years and years. And they don't want change. And so they're going to fight you. They're going to resist you. And, and I can say this with all honesty. I had no idea Christian folk could be so vicious. I mean, they were vicious. They did everything they could to try to run me out of town. I, that church was a, a district-affiliated church. And so I got paid on a percentage of the tithes and offerings. Well, they were putting their money in the building fund so I wouldn't get paid. 
And so it was a struggle, man. And I didn't know what to do. And back in the day, rural ministry wasn't even, wasn't really a big deal. We were back 20 years ago, we were worried about numbers and building and driving. And, and so I, I swallowed my pride and broke down and called our district office and like, help me. They didn't know how to help. They didn't know what to do. They were just glad somebody had taken that church. So for real, first year, two years, maybe, we left our crying when we left our laughing. I mean, just like, what the heck, you know? And so, yes, it was a son of a buck to say it West Texas rule style, you know, for a while. And we just, um, tenacity, digging in, not willing to give up and, and just kept trying to honor the Lord. And then he honored us. So it, you started with, you said like 12, 15, 13, 13, yep. 13. How, how long were you there before? I mean, I'm sure that number probably got smaller, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but how, how long did it go until that number started to get bigger? Gosh, that, the number actually got bigger because they started drawing their old friends and old family in to try to get in there and run me off so they have a bigger team. <laughs> so it got bigger and then it got smaller. You know, it was probably, I think probably a year into it, I told them we had some new people coming, some of my connections anyway. And about a year into it, I told them one particular Sunday, I said, okay, if we get 50 people here, I will get on the roof and sing a solo after church. If you get 75, you can put molasses and feathers on me. And if we get over a hundred, I'll let you shave my head. Well, we had 103 that day. And so we got pictures of them shaving my head. So it was a year into it. We kind of started doing some, you know, trying to get evangelistic stuff, invite people, get people to come. And so, you know, slow growth. I'm a believer in slow growth. You know what I mean? Just, I remember times of watching this one new couple come in and the excitement and the passion of trying to grab them and talk to them. And so ours has always been really slow, what I consider maybe healthy, steady growth. So did you like grow to a point and then hit like a cap? Because I know that within church models and processes and mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, yeah. there some, tends to be like, okay, we hit this number and then kind of staled out for Did you run into some of that? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. You know, um, I'm a youngster in the ministry, but what we did 18 years ago, there's stuff we did 18 years ago that doesn't work now. There's stuff we did two years ago that doesn't work now. And so it had to be this ever-evolving thing, you know. And so I'm thankful in the mid, about four or five years into church, our district brought a guy, hired a guy named Mike Harper, and he'll, he'll die. I love him, and he's become one of my best friends. Smartest guy I know when it comes to church growth, church health, church multiplication. And he and I just connected. You know, we went to Springfield to Rural Compassion um, on a trip up there to look at how they're doing rural and helping rural. And we just connected and he's helped me so much, put verbiage, put terminology, put systems in place, programs of how to continue to grow and how when you hit this cap, here's what you have to do to make adjustments to get ready for the next level. And so I think that's very key. That's very important, you know, that, that we come up with something to teach people how to overcome bust through the ceilings. Yeah. Yeah. That's good because I know the end of the story. I mean, not where you're at now, mm-hmm. you haven't set up a podcast yet, but your church runs. How many? How many on? on Five hundred, give or take. Yeah. Either, you know, a little more, a little less each so, week. And the population is twenty two thousand. Two thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five hundred. Yeah. Um, so that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. You talked a little bit about that in chapel this morning about the influence that goes along with that. What are maybe some things that that you can do in rural ministry that you can't do in city? Oh my gosh. Well, I can walk into the mayor's office any day. I can walk into the chief of police. I can walk into the superintendent's office. You know, I mean, we have a relationship, friendship. A lot of them come to our church. The district attorney comes to our church, you know, so, so many things that would be, oh, in this world of hypersensitivity and liberalism and fear of offending someone and not being politically correct, I can go anywhere I want with the gospel and talk about, you know, the Lord. So there's just so much stuff that you can do and, and it and it touches the whole community, you know. So it's 
that's one reason I love rural. You know, I know everybody. Everybody knows me. Not that I'm special, but been there that long. And so we're the friend of the saint and the sinner alike, you know. And so I do funerals all the time, weekly nearly. A lot of them are church people. A lot of them are not. They're old, rough, tough, tumble guys. But just because we've been there and built relationships, they trust us. And so it gives us an opportunity to reach their family. Yeah. Seeing you in the light that I've seen you, I have a really hard time <laughs> seeing Cody Tucker doing a funeral. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean that the most enduring kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I tell you what, my, my wife says this all the time. She goes, you know what, dude? This sounds morbid, but the Lord's anointed you to do funerals. <laughs> And so last week, this is no lie, Garrett. Last week, this lady was at our church, and I met her for the first time. Hey, how are you? She's got a couple of foster kids. She's got one granddaughter she's raising. She lives a little bit out of tennis. Like, you know, good to meet you. How did you hear about Bethel? She goes, believe it or not. She said, I heard you do a funeral two weeks ago. And she said, I thought, man, this guy's got some hope. This guy's got some joy, something special. And I was like, well, it's Jesus is all it is. But she came to church, and so they're plugged in. And so, you know, got to take advantage of every opportunity you get. Um, so maybe kind of circling back around to, to where we were at with, you know, you're starting, you're starting influences. Did you ever have a difficulty of like, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not. Did you ever do the comparison game where you're like, man, this trick over here is killing it. And I'm here with 13 people that don't even like me. Like, did you ever struggle with any of that yeah. kind of stuff? You know what? To be a hundred percent honest, I really did it. You know, I just did. And I just, I don't know. I, uh, I was really ignorant to the gospel and, and that's bad in a way. But in another way, when I first started hearing the gospel and, you know, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I began to get revelation. When I read the word, it wasn't like uh, I had heard it over and over again. It was real to me. And when I read the scripture and says, you're created in my image, you are called for my purposes. You're chosen. When I read those things, it just I don't know, it resonated with me and I, and I got a hold of it. And, and, and not to say that I didn't struggle and have doubts and all that, but I've always enjoyed being unique. And I don't want to be like the church down the road. I tell our worship pastor all the time, we, we don't need any more Jesus culture. We don't need any more Bethel Redding. We don't need any more Hillsong. People can go anywhere. Let's do something differently. And so I just embrace the thing of being me. I'm rough. I'm edgy. People tease me all the time and they go, how in the world could a preacher get away with saying what you just said? You'd get run out of the other churches. But the people that I reach, they're the real deal people. They don't, they're not into kind of games and, and, and Sunday morning church masks. You know what? I'm, we're just going to be. And so I guess because of that, I just always have really felt strongly and I'm going to be Cody. It's easy to be me. Yeah. It's hard to be somebody else. It's easy to be me. And so I guess I'm strong enough personality. Either love me or hate me. And if you hate me, then adios. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Cody, I appreciate the moment you, you stopped in the, in the studio here and we got to chat a little bit about role Yeah, players. cool. If somebody wanted to connect with you, had questions like, how do you do this? What do you, what are you doing there? Is there a way they can connect with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can connect with me. Um, our website, uh, Bethel-Anson.com. Instagram, at Cody Preacher Man. Facebook, Cody and Jennifer Cochran. So uh, any of those ways. Hook up. Yeah, shoot, call me. I, I love helping people. I love trying to see what we can get together and sharpen one another and what we can do for the kingdom and for rural ministry. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, again, thank you for being in the studio. Yep. Appreciate the conversation. Adios, bro.